Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips, and Scott Smith here. And as always, we are taking your questions. So submit those right here below the Facebook video in that comment section. Any of your thoughts, comments, questions, and... I got my fingers crossed for some happy questions. For some happy questions. I mean, I'm saying one win is it changes everything that happened before, but it, you know, at least it gives us some good things to talk about. Exactly, which so is maybe which we can is get always some. really good. I know good. last week the vitriol level was high. Yes, that is unfortunately <laughs> very accurate. But yes, yeah, so now we'll be able to hopefully get some happy questions from fans on our on our Facebook page here. So um, we're happy. We're we'll start with that. Yes, we yes, are happy. We were just talking about Christmas. Victory we week on. is it's true. It's it's the Christmas it's a season, good time of year. holiday season. Got a W. A lot of good things happening mm -hmm. here, and a lot of home games too yeah, down the stretch, which too. is a lot of fun, especially for Bucks fans that are local to Tampa or people coming in for games. Um, We'll, we'll just start with, with the game but on Sunday, your, your major takeaways from that. Yeah, we'll start that. with the defense. And, and let's think about, wasn't the first game under new coordinator Mark Duffner, Duffner the Cincinnati game, I think? Or maybe it was the game before the Cleveland yeah. game? The Cleveland game? It, yes, it would have been the Cleveland game. So the game. defense was pretty good in that Cleveland game. And then it, Cincinnati didn't go great. But in the, in the three games since, um, the defense has done a good job, a much better job of limiting the passing attack. The, the run defense on the other hand, has gotten a little bit worse. But in today's NFL, I think that's a good trade-off. If we're playing a lot better against the pass and a little worse against the run, I think that's a good thing. We've held, I think, three straight teams to around 200 net passing yards, which nowadays is really good. That's a really good outing. Um, right. There was, we struggled in the last game on in those outside runs. It seemed like I don't know why the 49ers didn't run those two out of every three plays because it seemed like every stretch run to the outside worked. It was blocked up perfectly, and we had a hard time getting through their wall. And, and that probably has something to do with the fact that we're down our two best linebackers, two guys that are really rangy, sideline-to-sideline guys. And so teams are probably scheming to take advantage of what your new weaknesses right. are. But overall, the, the defense has been better. I'm not going to go crazy about getting two turnovers. I mean, it was great to get those two interceptions, but we're talking – they're, they're the kind of the garbage time ones when the other team is kind of desperate, so right. they are forcing up throws. But on the other hand, there were a number of other throws that were knocked off target by our great pass rush, and they just simply didn't go where we could pick them off. But you continue to force wobbly and off-target throws, you're going to get some interceptions. And so that was good. The pass rush was fantastic in that game. Yeah, that is massive. And Vita Vea, I feel like that was a huge uh, bright spot yeah. of people getting really excited to see it. A lot. Sure. I heard people phrasing it like the light came on, like it seemed so – Sudden, all of a sudden, the, the way this game went, it, was, it hadn't seemed to be this sort of gradual yeah. thing. It was just, boom, this game, this is the kind of guy I that... will take it. Yeah, and I, whatever it was, Flip and I know switch. Coach joked about Jason having a, a talk <laughs> with him before the game, and he's going to give him a whole list of players to talk it to moving forward. It would be nice forward. to know what Jason said to him, because... We could probably use some of it on a day-to-day -day basis, right. too, I'd, I'd whatever I'd like him to come was. give me a talk. Right. Be a lot more productive. <laughs> but yes, th okay, so what was the storyline on Vita when they were asking why is he not being productive? And Coach would say several times, he's getting pushed. He's a strong, big man who he is pushing guys, but then... He can't disengage from blocks, or he wasn't, I should say, not that he can't. And in this game, you saw the opposite of that. Like on the, I believe it was not a sack, but a run stop where he got the guy about four yards in the backfield and kind of did the flex over him. Right. Wasn't that a run stop, I think? Yeah. But that was one where he just used his power and got off his guy. And, and I mean, it, that's the kind of play that this kind of player can give you on a relatively consistent basis if he becomes what we thought he was when we drafted him. Right, that's and a great And you saw point. a glimpse of that right there. Yeah, and, and again, the the – idea of turnovers in general, not giving them up yeah, and then well, getting some. We would have probably taken either side of that in so many ways of, mm -hmm. of we would have probably the, taken two two. Right. But we win two nothing. Yeah, or, it was it was great to see that both sides of the ball really got that figured out. So um well, I, I at least to a degree. Yeah. We're not gonna <laughs> say that it was we, we'll one game is not everything. Right, we exactly. We got the but, it, but one out. game 
Were you? I mean, they did get two and one again. Like you said, was kind of in the garbage time at the end when they mm -hmm. were forcing things. But it was good to see that you know there were there were some of those plays made. And we talked about how so much of that had been just it, it seems almost impossible to go as long yeah, as they had so where it, it, it finally happened and which is huge. i think it's going to start to happen more we created turnover opportunities in that game in addition to the plays i was talking about where we forced off target throws we also had uh, i think it was carl nassib had the sack that forced a fumble and that's how you get a lot of turnovers sometimes those are huge plays because you scoop and score uh we didn't get the ball on that one but if you continue to get strip sacks you're going to get some some uh recovered fumbles so that's good and then on offense Jameis just made really good decisions. Uh, not only just where to throw the ball, but I felt like he did a fantastic job of choosing when to, when and how to get out of the pocket. And he threw on the run pretty much all of his best throws in that game, including both touchdowns and the big 34-yarder uh, to Mike Evans on the drive that ended in Peyton Barber's touchdown, were all on the move. They were all plays made on the move after right. he escaped. And so I looked it up. I got some stats to throw at you. You ready? I okay, let's it up, do it. Um, on scramble plays... Uh, James Winston has been fantastic this year. He is the when he has scrambled to his right, his throwing side, which was mostly what he did in that game. Mm -hmm. He has an absolutely perfect 158.3 passer rating this year, best in the entire NFL. Wow! And when he scrambles to his left, he's still at like 113.7. That's a more difficult thing for a right-handed quarterback. Right. But overall, when he has gotten out of the pocket, we've had really, really good results, which makes sense because it's hard for any secondary to cover. Um, receivers for a long time when you're asking them to cover them for five or ten more seconds on a scramble. But when you're talking about our guys, they're really good. Right. Right. Our, our pass catchers yeah. are really good. So that's true. So I also there were a few uh, cool milestones in the game, um, JPP and Mike yeah. Evans. And yeah. um, let's just talk about Mike Evans for a little bit because I feel like it really needs to be emphasized what he has done and how few people have done this and, mm -hmm. and just what he's meant to this franchise. Well, okay, if anybody doesn't know, he got over 1,000 yards. He's at like 1,073 right now. You remember last year it took like to basically almost last the last play, the season, play yeah. his last catch uh, for him to get over 1,000. And this year he gets it early in his 11th game with five still to go. He's on pace to break the team's all-time record, single-season record. He's already the career record holder in both yards and, and touchdowns touchdown catches but what he did was he got over a thousand and that was the fifth time in as many years in the NFL and only him and Randy Moss and AJ Green have done that so uh, that's pretty exclusive company right now that's and, uh, incredible and then JPP had the the 10 he's at 10.5 sacks now after he got one so he is at um He's the first guy to hit double digits in Simeon Rice in 2005, and that was a big drought we'd all been talking about. But, uh, sorry, you wanted to be talking about Mike Evans. And, you know, the thing about Mike is I think he's having his best season. I don't know if you can necessarily statistically say that because his he's had two 12-touchdown seasons. Right now he only I think he has three or five, so right. his touchdowns aren't really high this year yet. Anything could happen. But in terms of his production – and as Coach said, it's just his consistency in running routes. And, and it was a very good point that I hadn't thought about much when Coach Cutter was talking about this last week. Mike's on the field a lot, like 85% of the time. We don't, just don't want to take him off the field. And he has to run, and we run a lot of deeper and intermediate routes, and he has to run a lot of routes. And for him to be so consistently running the routes the way they're supposed to be run at the speed they're so, supposed to be run is what has made the difference and taken his game to even another level. He was right. already a pro bowler, but it's gone to another level. And speaking of Pro Bowler, uh, this is a good time to remind everyone that you can vote for the Pro Bowl starting now. That we were I, we were talking about that during the game on Sunday. That that is open, so we need all the Bucks fans to get out there and you give some guys like Mike Evans and JPP yeah. some love. You can find a link right on Buc right on the site. Yeah, right, right on Buccaneers.com. Well, yeah, if people Facebook. are watching on Facebook, but right on Buccaneers.com, you can find the link if you want to vote. And I mean, it's, it's right over in Orlando. You know, we need. Right. You could even go watch. You could go watch. It's in. really easy. That would be pretty fun. Um, 
I thought this was interesting. You were talking about Jameis rolling out and, and doing mm-hmm. well, and Douglas said since Jameis is so successful on scramble plays, should the Bucks implement some rollouts, or is that trying to recreate a fire drill? Yeah, I think the thing about a rollout play is it's not necessarily meant. You know, a scramble drill, generally you've already been in the back in the backfield for three or four seconds, whatever it is, and, and as we were talking about, the receivers have to – the, the DBs have to cover those guys, mm-hmm. and then you break containment, and then kind of it becomes a, a fire drill for for everybody out there, and that's when you get these big unscripted plays. A rollout play is obviously scripted, and it generally happens quicker. You you either play action bootleg and roll out, or just immediately roll out. And generally, when you're doing that, you are basically taking over just one side of the field. I mean, every now and then you have a trick play where the guy rolls out to the right and throws all the way back to the left, but it's pretty rare. Most of the times when you're doing that, you're, you're taking, you're just using one half of the field and you probably have several layers of players. And some defenses are actually pretty good at defending that. So specifically designed rollouts and bootlegs, I don't think it's the same category. And in fact, I did look that up when I was looking up the scramble plays because you can do you can sort them by that too. And we haven't had a ton of bootlegs and rollouts, but on those plays, Jameis hasn't been nearly as effective as on the scramble plays. Right. So no, I don't think that would be a good idea. Okay. And then looking at this Carolina game, this is this starts our run of all of the home division games we played everybody in the division once this is setting up our let's see what we've learned from the first matchup situation and uh wanted to hear your thoughts on what we had learned from that carolina game and then now seeing the game like the 49ers game where we saw the team play the complete game of Mm -hmm. getting turnovers not giving away turnovers kicking went well everything about the complete game do you see us being able to recreate that against carolina yeah, and I'll say this. I thought the San Francisco pass rush was pretty good. So you do always worry about the Carolina pass rush when you play the Panthers, and I thought they did a good job of hurrying. I guess it was Fitz at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they did a good job of hurrying him, and they got him down several times and created some negative plays. Uh, we kind of adjusted a little bit and got better as the game went along. But I do feel like we can handle the Carolina pass rush and give Jameis time or at least give him lanes to escape and do the scramble plays we were just talking about. Um the, the issue, I think, is what we were talking about at the beginning in that the one thing that San Francisco did that we had a really hard time stopping were those stretch runs to the outside, and you know they can do that with Christian McCaffrey. And I think the thing you would learn from the past Carolina game is they have a lot of really tricky play calling, a lot of stuff that's, you know, reverses and end arounds and, and misdirection, and all of a sudden Cam stops and throws it back over here, and you see – whoever it is catching it and there's nobody around him that Mm -hmm. happened a lot and I think part of the reason that happened is because the first few plays of misdirection were successful and they were able to build on that so the next one you run an end around on one play and then the defense is thinking about that and then you run a reverse and you know it it works because the previous play works so fast start don't let them get so much early success like they did in the last game and we should be able to slow them down a little bit better okay uh we had a few different um injury questions as well i know okay. david asked about um ronald jones and was he held out for injury or not and if he has a chance this week and then also levante david do we know anything about carlton davis's knee injury so just injuries overall first of all we always like to give mm-hmm. the the caveat yeah. that we don't know a whole lot until the injury report on wednesday but and, and specifically coach cutter makes a point of not talking about it until the injury reports come out on wednesday so for us to get too detailed about any of this right. wouldn't, wouldn't be wise uh but we can touch on some of that um ronald jones practiced a lot more last week and i think he's close to being fully healthy if he's not all the way there but he was still questionable going into the weekend so it's a little hard to tell whether he was inactive because of the hamstring or just because 
he wasn't part of the game plan for that week. I had thought that he would probably be active because we were down one tight end. So we'd been keeping up four tight ends, five receivers, and three running backs previously. Mm -hmm. So since we were keeping only three tight ends and five receivers, I thought we would keep a fourth running back, and that would be Ronald Jones. But what they did instead was they kept an extra offensive lineman up for the first time because they because two well Ryan Jensen had been struggling a little bit with the hamstring and Demar Dotson's sort of like you know gritting it through each week and uh, so they were a little bit worried about the depth there and so they kept one more guy up which ended up being important when right. Demar went out um, and Alex Kappa got to play a little bit and he was the guy that got to be active the rookie Alex Kappa and I know a lot of fans have been calling for that yeah I think I'd actually that was going to be the next thing that we yeah. got to I had seen somebody had brought him up so that's so perfect. yeah so we can transition but as far as it goes for Ronald Jones he um I think that in this particular game, the Bucks needed that space for an offensive lineman rather than another running back. And the running game had been going pretty well recently with Peyton Barber, so it was probably more of a necessity thing. Um, so Alex Kappa? Yes, yeah, go ahead and talk uh, about his, you know, his first he, snaps. It would be exactly – it was exactly what you would expect. And when Coach was asked about him, he said, you know, the question was framed along the lines of, how did this guy get in his first NFL action look? And he said about how you expect a guy getting his first NFL action look. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I believe on this first play, he kind of allowed a guy to get in there and pressure. But then because that happened, I actually made a point of watching him on his second play, and he did a really good job. Now, I can't say I kept watching him every single play, but he clearly had his ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But it's it's at least uh, important, I guess, to note that the, the coaches thought he was it was time for him to start getting a look. Right, yeah, so it's, that's it's true. a good thing. Um, we had uh, Colin ask why not start Ryan Smith over Brent Grimes um, since Grimes is older and we want to see what we have with Ryan Smith. Uh, I, don't know, I might get you if we were talking about a rookie, but I think we've got a pretty good feel for what Ryan Smith is. Mm -hmm. And he did get to play in that game after Carlton Davis went out. And, you know, that previous question about Carlton Davis, we don't know the answer yet. So that may be a moot point if they're both playing in this upcoming game. Right. But... The thing about all of these questions about when are we going to see this young guy, when, when are we mm -hmm. going to see this young guy, is you have to understand, I know we're 4-7. and seven. I know that it's not likely at all to go from 4-7 and seven to the playoffs. Totally true, not trying to tell you otherwise. But it's also not impossible. And so the team basically has to keep playing as if they've got a shot. You, right. you, can't, you can't not, mm -hmm. right? So you have to make your decisions now. Like people ask, should Ryan Griffin get a start? That was the next question. Is that question. next? Yep, okay, well, then go. people ask, why won't you do this? Well, all the decisions right now, until the Bucks are eliminated, are going to be based on which player and which players at every position the coaches think are going to give them the best chance to win. And you may understandably think, what does it matter? Because the chances of – you're going to have to run the table just to go 9-7, and seven, and then right. you know even that doesn't guarantee anything. But coaches and players, especially when they're still live in the playoffs, prepare for every game – for the purpose of winning it, right? So they believe that they are going to win every game from here on out, and they're gonna, that's what they're going to try to do. And so until the Bucks are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, there's only so far you can go with questions like that. Right, that's very true. And we'll end on this one. Tim said, uh, speaking of the O-line, any contracts expiring this year? Should we uh, expect the same O-line next year? Well, I guess Donovan Smith, right? Yeah, he's the big one that we yeah, have to resign. Yeah, he's the big one and the one that people think might be one of the next guys on the to-do list. Um, Let's see. Obviously, Ryan Jensen just signed. Just signed. Allie, Allie just signed. Yeah, Caleb is still has Demar another has year. has one more year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and then, of course, Alex Kappa, if he figures into the mix. And then Evan Smith. I'm not sure about Evan Smith. That's probably. The other one that might be. Yeah, that's another one that might be up. Um, 
but uh, the big Donovan one is obviously Donovan Smith, and he's your starting left tackle, and I actually think he's had a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Donovan Smith is one of those guys that until <laughs> it may take some time, but there's a much higher opinion of him here than some fans tend to have because there were times in his early years when maybe he wasn't as consistent as he is now. And mm-hmm. that's what the coach has always said. He's a very talented, very big, reliable, durable, extremely talented, can be a great left tackle in this league. He just needs to do it more consistently, and I believe that's happened this year. So i got to believe that Donovan Smith is a priority for the guys upstairs. Yeah, I have to imagine that's true. All right, well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. We're back here every Tuesday. Make sure you're always leaving those questions underneath this live Facebook video, and we'll see you next time.